in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandonsitdown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 670 of the Ron and Don Show, and we are back live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we got to talk about this, why Americans have lost faith in the value of college. How about that? Also, we did a Ron and Don sit down with a family this week that's downsizing. And you're not going to believe what they said is the reason for why they are downsizing. And I know as a dad, it is something that really resonated with me. In fact, it was a conversation I had just had with my son the week previously. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. A lot of times you take your phone, you put it on your nightstand or in your charger at night, and then you wake up and you find out what? That your iPhone, a lot of us have iPhones, Android, that is updated overnight, right? But then a lot of times we don't know what the updates are, and this is a very important update. In fact, think about this. And I've done this before. You're sitting in a nice bar or a nice restaurant with some friends. You want to make sure that you're paying attention to them. And so a lot of times what I do, and I'd read about this, uh, this is is iPhone etiquette right here. So let's say uh, that Ron and I are down the street after we've done the show today, and we're going to go for some sushi, and we're sitting at the sushi bar, and we're eating some sushi, and everybody knows this would never happen because I I don't eat a lot of sushi, but we'll just go with sushi. Sure. Let's go tacos. Ron loves that. Eat a couple tacos. Yeah, I'll have some California rolls. So we're sitting there, we're having some California. And then the next thing you know, I have to get up and I say to myself, I should really, I'm going to be eating with my hands here. I should really make sure that I wash my hands before I eat the sushi. So, and before I get up, I'm like, oh, I got an Airbnb text message, which happens probably 30 times a day. So I pick up my phone, I open it with the code. And then what I do is I put the phone face down because that's letting the other person know that you have their, and, and, and if I get a buzz or something, I'll explain to someone, hey, I'm expecting an Airbnb message. If I don't respond within an hour, I get nicked on the algorithm. So I'll have to answer that. Otherwise, Otherwise, you have my full attention, and I put the phone face down. Phone is face down. I have just opened the phone. I put the phone back down. I've gone to the bathroom. Ron starts having a conversation uh, with our buddy, Kanan, who also likes sushi. He walks in. So now they're chit-chatting. Ron and Kanan are chit-chatting. I come back to sit down, and guess what? My phone is gone. And I start looking around for my phone, and I can't find my phone. I'm looking everywhere. I have these guys involved. We're all looking for the phone. And I'm like, well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to call my son on Ron's phone because he has a find your phone feature and he can find my phone. So I reach out to my son. My son answers, which wouldn't happen because he's in school. And if he actually answered, he'd be in big trouble with me. What are you doing answering your phone, you big schooler? So nonetheless, I'm like, hey, could you help me find my phone? Let's say in, in the land of pretend, he answers his phone. And he's like... Uh, Dad, I, I can't find your phone. Guess why he can't find my phone? 
Somebody watched me punch my code into the phone. This is happening a lot around the globe. They watch me punch that code in. Sometimes they will sit in bars and restaurants just looking for people that haphazardly will punch their code in. And a lot of times you have face recognition, but it doesn't work when the, when the lights are real dim. So you punch your code in, you put the phone down, they grab your phone. You know, the first thing that they do is they open your phone and they lock you out and they erase the find the phone feature. So now you can't find it. You're spending all this time trying to find your phone. You know what they're doing when you're trying to find it because they have now bought time is they are now into your passwords. They are into your bank accounts. They are into your credit cards. And they are taking all the money out of your account. They're using your credit like crazy. And by the time you figure something out, or maybe by the time you get home and you jump on your home computer and you start getting maybe some alerts from the bank, it's too late. It's over with. They have stolen your identity. They've stolen your money. They have stolen your credit. And even if you put the brakes on now, the damage has been done. So one of those updates on the iPhone, Ron, is supposed to help with that, right? Yeah, and, and that scenario is a little bit doomsday, but it does happen where you do get locked out. Have you ever been targeted by someone trying to steal your identity it's really scary because all of a sudden uh you start getting messages or emails about you know bank accounts and you know here's your verification code and i I had this happen where uh someone was taking out loans in my name and so i was getting 50 emails a day about hey your three thousand dollar loan is approved and your four thousand dollar loan is approved and um you can borrow the money here and click on this to activate your loan. And so just boom, boom to my, to my email address, they're using my credentials. Wow. Uh, and I'm like, how do I shut this thing down? And now all of a sudden you become a security expert. So the wall street journal actually did mm. uh, a series of stories where they were trying to exploit the iPhone. Uh, and they were successful at doing so and, and using some of the techniques that you just talked about, where you acquire someone's iPhone, you get that six-digit code to unlock the phone when you're, the facial res- recognition doesn't work, and then now you can go about and unlock uh, unlock the phone. Uh, or you can change passwords, change the code, uh, do all of these things to where now the actual user can't access the phone. And so the new update, which I think is 17.3 or something on your iPhone, I need to actually update it now. Uh, after reading this story, has a stolen feature, uh, a stolen phone feature in the settings, but you have to activate it. That's right. So it doesn't, by default, do this. You have to activate it. And basically what it's doing is it's going to, it's kind of ingenious, and and I guess our our concepts of privacy are really changed (laughs) during our lifetime. The iPhone will know your most used places. And it trains on using the GPS. And I don't know if you get this on your phone. When I, if I'm driving over here to your house, uh, it will on my map automatically go, Hey, you're five minutes from home. 
Right. It's like, dude, I'm not going home. <laughs> but because we record the same time every uh, week, oh, yeah. when I get into my phone, I get in my car yeah. at a specific time, it knows I'm coming to your house. Yeah. And it will put a map up of like, hey, you going to this house? Mm. And it's like, interesting. So it, it knows where you spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so this new security feature is if your phone is stolen and you are not at one of your spots, you're not at work and you're not at home, or if there's some other play, like maybe the gym for you, if you're not at a, a recognized place, um, it will then, you can set it up to require a further verification. So the way that code works is your facial thing did or the biometrics didn't work so whether you have the thumbprint one or the face one doesn't work doesn't work and then on the third time it says what's your passcode and and so even with that feature enabled um what this new one will do if you're not if you're at a bar or you're if the phone is taken to an unrecognized place it will say not so fast it will you can and you set this up you either delay it by an hour Mm mm-hmm and then require the require the biometrics, so the code will no longer work. Yeah. Uh, and it, it it makes sense to set this up, um, just because of what you've already said. And so, but you have to go in there and do it. So if there's two steps to this, I know some people. I was just talking to someone yesterday. I was like, I haven't updated my computer since. You know, I bought it and I get these alerts every day to like, do you want to upgrade the software? And like, remind me tomorrow, remind me tomorrow. So it's been, <laughs> you know, it's been like four years of like, remind yeah. me tomorrow. Yeah. So if you haven't updated your phone, first thing you have to update it to the current thing. Asterisk there. If you have an old iPhone, this may dramatically slow down your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things. There's actually been lawsuits with Apple the way, Hey, you're planning the obsolescence by forcing us to update. Mm-hmm. And then the phone gets slower and slower and slower until we have to go buy a new phone. Mm-hmm. So if you have an old phone, it will probably slow your phone down. But if you are security oriented or you're absent minded and you leave your phone different places or you set it down and forget about it, uh, this would be very wise to do uh, so you have to get the everything updated to the current operating system then you have to go into your settings and turn this on and so this is all described in the wall street journal if you just want to search for uh this story on the wall street journal they will let you know how to do it i, I think it's really smart um you know you you and i both had a scare recently where someone uh was warning us about our facebook accounts it turned out to be a phishing scam but the email looked official yeah. Until we investigated it and we're like, okay, this is not official. Um, it seems like it's official, but it's not. And yeah, I'm, we have a real estate client that is uh, very high up at Meta and we're able to call him. But he didn't even know about the scam. We, yeah. you, you're, you're the one that he didn't figure out it was a scam. You figured out it was a scam. right? Yeah. And so it's but like those sort of things get your attention. If all yeah. of a sudden, you know, if you do bank with Bank of America and you start getting alerts from Bank of America, mm. um, you might think that's a real email. Yeah. But if a guy is sending out 100 million emails that say Bank of America on it, it's going to hit some people that actually have a Bank of America account. Yeah. I'll, I'll get scammed sometimes from financial things where like, I don't even have an account with yeah. this bank. But that's not the point. The point is they're looking for people that do have the account with that. I have to say the most embarrassing time when I'm trying to get my phone to work is if I wake up in the morning and a lot of times 
I try not to engage with my phone. But again, if people are out of the country, I get a lot of Airbnb messages overnight. And again, you have an hour to respond to those. So and my son and I have a no, it, it used to be I didn't even look at my phone when I woke up and I'm a, I'm a very early riser. So today I think I woke up just before five. And, and, it, and it used to be I would wait until we got ready for school and I took them to school and then I came back and I look at my phone and, and I can't do that because the messages just stack up. So the first thing that I'll do is I'll look at the phone, but usually I have the lights down low. Uh, I wear contacts. I don't turn the lights up real high yet because when you do, it's hard to open your eyes, put your... Put your contacts in. I have some st- I have some stitches in one of my eye from a procedure I had a long time ago. It's very very light sensitive, and so sometimes I find myself, and this is embarrassing, sitting on the toilet, and I keep waving. <laughs> I keep waving the phone in front of my face, trying to get it to unlock, and I can't get it to unlock, and I can't get, it, and then I can't even because my my eyesight without my contacts is horrible. So then I have a hard time even seeing the screen in order to see the buttons <laughs> to get it unlocked. So sometimes I have to put the phone down, turn up the lights, put my contacts in. Then once the lights are up, then I can wave my phone and the phone opens. And then, yes, I do. I want everyone to know out there, I do have wipes. I do wash my hands, mom, and I do wipe off the phone. We will see you on the other side of this. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. Are you guys welcome back to the Ron and Don show? Uh, We are doing sit downs all this week and next week. If you're thinking about buying and selling this year, I did a sit down on the phone the other day with our friend Dan. Uh, he is getting ready to sell, and it's a it's a very expensive property on Mercer Island. He's getting ready to sell sometime in the fall, and I'm like, hey, well, we need to begin talking about this transaction now. And we've actually been talking for how long? We've we been talking to Dan, maybe the last year, year yeah, and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. So he's going through a life transition. He has a daughter that's getting older, that's graduating from school. Uh, he's going to be moving over to one of the islands. So we're in constant contact. No, not only talking about where he's moving, but prepping his house and getting it ready to sell because he's lived in this home for a very, very long time. So. He's going to do great on this transaction because the market right now is really great. In fact, the market has been hot since December and rolling into January, especially if you have a home out there that's sub $2 million, it's selling. Uh, but in some of the other neighborhoods where we saw homes for 2 or $3 million, 
Those homes are moving too, right? A couple of price reductions in a couple of those, but there's not a lot for sale. And Ron, I know that you had to sit down yesterday in West Seattle. What does it feel like? Uh, to you out there real quick in 30 seconds. Oh, man. As West Seattle walked walking distance to the water there on, on the Alki Beach side, and there was a cottage for sales. $1.2 million went on day one pending. Yeah. Uh, there was a development of where someone ripped down a single-family home, put in three units. Yeah. The 760-square-foot back unit off the alley was uh, $780,000. Yeah. Uh, and it's a new build and it's, it looks like a good build quality, but I think for a lot of people are like, what? Right. It's like, yeah, if you want to walk to Alki beach from your cottage, you're going to pay upwards of $800,000. Yeah. So, um, in, and there's more of those cottages, same builder building another one, three doors down. Yeah. And that's why if you can, like we just bought a home for just over a million dollars in a place like gig Harbor. And it's for one of our clients that can work from home and has to travel to the city one day a week. And it's on two and a half acres. It's brand new construction. And it's just not builder grade. We're talking about that beautiful pedestal bathtub, right? And the connecting shower to it. And we're talking about a big four bedroom, three bathroom, a big galley kitchen, uh, a gas fireplace. I mean, if you get out in the bedroom communities and you are uh, a person that doesn't have to drive into the core of the city of Seattle every day, there are some deals to be had. So anyway, if you need us, we do something called the Ron and Don sit down, sit down talking about buying or selling your property. All you have to do is go to Ron and Don sit down.com. We've talked about this a little bit and I think it's, I think about this a lot because I, I see people. In fact, we had a sit down with someone the other day and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. And uh, he was talking about the fact that, hey, we're going to sell our home. We have a lot of equity in it. And I have kids that are all about to be teenagers. And the thought is we want to be a family of experience. And we also want to be a family that's educated. And so they're thinking about selling the family home, buying a smaller home to unlock some of the equity to not only go and have these great family experiences that we'll talk more about in a moment, but to also unlock college for his kids, right? And I think it's really interesting because the, the, the more I talk to my son, and by the way, thank you for introducing me to Charlie the Tutor. Oh, good. My son was not doing well in algebra. I'll just say he was failing algebra. He, he, his test came back the other day after he's been meeting with Charlie now for three and a half months. He got an A minus on his test. Wow. He only missed one question. That's great. Charlie's great. Yeah. So Charlie is really, Charlie lives down in California. He's a good friend of Ron's and he's been tutoring him online. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really, really helped. And it's good. I'm glad to hear that. But I I just keep telling my son, I'm like, Hey, when you turn 18, dad, dad, dad is going to go in the winter months and probably live somewhere. That's a little sunnier. And and I'm looking at some of those places now, Maui. And then, uh, uh, and you can come visit, but let's start thinking about maybe what you want to do. And what I'm not saying to him is that it has to be college. I'm not saying to him, it has to be a four year degree. And Ron, this article that we both read, why Americans have lost faith, faith in the value of college. 
I have to say to some degree I have uh, as well. Yeah, this is a, a very interesting um, story. And I think a lot of people just feel this and can't really articulate why. But the, the stat they said that jumped out to me was out of every 10 college degrees, less than two actually use that in degree for their career. So I think it's like 1.8 or something. So think about that for a second. Someone goes to a school, depending on the school, you could be talking multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, when you talk about tuition, books, room and board, uh, living expenses, all of that, like it, the college experience could easily be a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. They, they said on average, and th this is blending in state schools. This is blending in two years. There's blending in all of it on average a year of school for all of our kids that are in, is about thirty six thousand dollars right but then what they added in after that is they said it's even more because you're taking a lot of them are taking on debt you're taking on the interest of that debt and then for a lot of kids they're not working like their parents don't want them to work because their parents remember, hey, when I went to school and I had to work and maybe I could have done better on my grades and all that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to float you for these four years. So you have kids now that are not working. They're not bringing in income to offset the thirty six thousand dollars. So really, that number through the course of the year, you could double that. So to your point, you may you, you may be looking at anywhere between a quarter of a million dollars to three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars depending on the institution. Yeah. And so now you go, um, so we have a uh, hundred graduates and, and less than, you know, two, 200, uh, are going to be actually using their degree or, uh, you know, if there's 10, there's going to be two of them. So it's, it's, um, it, that is alarming. And so, and then I think the, the other thing that people are realizing is this college for all mentality that really emerged, uh, in the mid seventies and going forward is, is the United States was like, okay, we are a, a post, uh, we're, we're a post industrial country. We, we are no longer a manufacturer country. We're going to be highly educated. We're going to become an information technology. We're going to be a service industry. We're going to go to financing. Uh, you know, the, the push was go out there, get your college degree, and you were going to elevate yourself above menial tasks. Like that was kind of the menial jobs or, or, you know, factory jobs, like these sort of jobs, that was the promise. And so it was college for all. That was kind of the thing. And now we've had maybe two generations of of that and they're realizing that's not true. Then a couple other things that jumped out to me that I think has really kicked people in the gut here is, and you'll see this online a lot. There are people that got had sixty thousand dollars in student loans twenty years ago, have never missed a payment, and you fast forward twenty years, and their college loan is now a hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. Uh, because they just made the minimum payment. Mm. And so they're like, what is going on here? Like, I, I've, I've never missed a payment. I'm making my payments on this college loan. It never goes down, but continues to go up. I'm going to be paying for life to do this. So unless you get into a vocation where you can make big principal chunk payments on these loans, like this is a scam. Like this is a scam. Uh, I, I was taught this thing that I had to have a degree that it was going to increase my income. I go out, take on this debt. I'm never able to pay it off. And then I go into the job force and nobody cares that I have a college degree and it's not my, uh, I can't get into the field that I wanted and, or, um, 
You know, I followed, I got a musical theater degree or I got an English degree or I got a degree in, in, in humanities and I go into the job for it. No one's hiring a musical theater major, right? Uh, unless you're a star, like there's the 1% or half of 1% that actually can, you know, have a career in that. And the rest of people are like, wow, what do I do now? Am I going to work in a restaurant? Do I work in the service industry? Do I go into sales? And so there's this huge expectation gap of people that um, want to figure out what their career is going to be, have all this debt and have no opportunity. What do, what do, so what do you say to people say, well, that's not what college is about. College is about starting something and finishing something. College is about creating friendships that maybe they become family for life or maybe like I think of some of my friends that are part of Cougar Nation at Washington State a lot of them end up doing business together, right? Either as clients or partners. Uh, and then, of course, there's the social aspect of that as well, the rite of passage, uh, growing up. What do you say about that? I mean, there's value in that. I don't know if it's $200,000 worth of value, but like, yeah, if you, if, that's, if you know that's what you're doing, then just get a general studies degree and enjoy the college experience. I think there's, there's validity in that. But to think that, oh, I'm going to... Um, so in other words, I think that it's fundamentally flawed in the system. If you're selling it as we're going to equip you for life in a career and only two out of 10 people actually use this for their career, yeah. then that's not a good result. Yeah. If we did that in real estate, in our business, we're like, Hey, out of every 10 people we do a sit down with and sign an agreement with us that we have a good result two times out of 10. We would not be in business very long. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to my friend Anthony, he's a state trooper, uh, and I'm helping him snowball some properties. So he now owns three properties. He just bought a duplex. So we've been strategizing on what to do with these properties, and we were talking yesterday. And when he was very young, the thing that he was good at was basketball, but he also had been adopted. So he got a partial scholarship. He went and played at community college. Then he ended up getting his four-year degree, and then he joined the state patrol. The good thing about getting that degree and taking on some debt is it actually gave him a bump in pay when he became a sergeant with the state patrol. Now he's going to go after his master's degree, and the difference is we're all going to pay for it in the state. And it'll be a master's degree that he can use. Exactly. So so it'll, it'll be a master's degree, and it'll help him in his detective work because he really enjoys being a detective. So so I think this whole thing of, and I remember when I, when I was going to college, your school counselor would just say, well, just go for a year or two. Take some classes. See what you like. This is when, and I remember Notre Dame was $14,000 a semester, and people thought that that was outrageous, right? It was in 1750 <laughs> when you graduated high school. So I, I, I don't think you can take that approach anymore. And, and, and I think it's better, and I was talking to my son about this the other day, of saying, you know what, taking a working year off, traveling somewhere, I've seen kids... Uh, go work in restaurants in Italy and Spain. And the thing is, and we're working on getting his passport right now. When, when I think when you have a passport, when you travel a little bit, you become not just an American, but a world citizen. You come back, 
You're very grateful for all that we have here and our educational system. I think you can be a little more pinpoint about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. I just think sometimes at 18, when you get out of high school, you need a moment to breathe and just rushing off to college is not the answer for everyone. Also bringing back vocational schools. You ask anybody right now, you did you look for a plumber when your pipes burst in this last freeze that we had here in Seattle, you couldn't find one unless you called me. We will see you on the other side of this. Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down. And that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates. And then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan and we will cover the lender fees for you so that's the rate and replace program replace that rate very cool so that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that mitch at mitch.loans will replace that rate check him out right now online at mitch.loans that's mitch.loans all right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. We do something and you hear about it in our little stop downs that we call Ron and Don sit downs. A Ron and Don sit down is just sitting down with Ron and I. Sometimes I'm so jacked though, I'm standing up, I'm having a cup of coffee in one of my Ron and Don mugs, and so is Ron. He's on a screen somewhere, I'm on a screen at my house. And then we chat with you about your real estate journey. Sometimes it ends in a transaction, sometimes it doesn't, but it always learned ends typically in friendship. And a lot of times you know us from the radio, but we don't know you, so we get to know you. We did a sit down and I'll, I'm gonna speak in general terms here with, with a gentleman that has a family. Uh, we were connected through uh, when we worked at the radio station, Interestor Radio. And I used to do some ads for a firm that he works for. Uh, in, and I used to do some ads for a company called DR Horton that he's connected with. He reached out. His kids are getting older. His kids are getting older. His three kids are about to become teenagers. And he's like, I have this house and it is a very big house, almost 6,000 square feet. It's down in this. It's a beautiful house, has an incredible view of the sound. And he's like, you know what? Even though that, that, that there are five of us, this is still a really big house. And like most of us, and in, 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 in I'm in this position too. I have all my money out there working in investments and working in real estate. And, and, and he woke up one day with his wife and they had a conversation and they said, you know what? When you look at our family, we're really not a family. And, and, and this is how we've raised our kids. We're really not a family of stuff. I like, but he, he says, we don't go on vacation and come back and bring a lot of trinkets. They're, they're, we're, we're not overwhelmed with Christmas gifts at, at, at Christmas time. Uh, what, what we do like to do is we like to travel. They have a trailer and, and they like to go places together and experience travel uh, together, which we talked a lot, a lot about on the show. He said, what we'd like to do is we would like to downsize. We think all of us, we could live in a house half this size. It would unlock lots of money. 
we would barely have a mortgage at that point. And I encourage everyone out there, at least have a little bit of a mortgage, especially if you have a 1099 job, because it keeps reporting to the bank and it keeps your credit on track. Sometimes people pay those things off and then they're not paying a mortgage anywhere. Hey, if you have a million dollar property, you know, put, put a $200,000 mortgage on it if, if you can, if you're still working, especially if you're 1099 and an entrepreneur like us, keep that reporting to the bank. The bank wants to see that. That's very important. So we have this discussion and I was really moved by it. He said, we're, we're, we're going to take some of this money out of this because he's still very young. He and his wife and his kids. We'll take this money now while we have our health. We're going to take this money now while we have this connection with kids. I heard someone say this the other day, and it's really true. You wake up and you see your child almost every day as they're growing up and you get used to that. And then all of a sudden, when you become an empty nester on average, you will see your child for one full year for the rest of their lives. Did you hear that? For one full year for the rest of their lives when you add up all the time. So he's like, this is go time. And I'm like, you know what? You have just spoken to my soul. Because that's something that I'm in the middle of doing with my son right now. Less gifts, less stuff, more experiences. Let's go diving. Let's go. I was really moved by, by what he said and what he and his wife are willing to do in order to unlock that. Because... It's a lot of work to go, hey, you know what? We're leaving the family home. This is the plan. This is what we're doing. But hey, we got four or five years left with these kids, seeing them every day, and, and, and the time is right now. Yeah, it is It is hard, I think. Uh, I applaud him for doing that. I applaud you for doing that. It's hard in our society to not be seduced by things. And we even talked in the, you know, about iPhones. Like it, it's super easy. You know, you're watching the football game. You see 900 commercials about a phone or about the new, uh, electric Hyundai. You know, like, oh, Ionic's looking pretty cool. Or look at the, the new Jeep has an electric feature. So you just, in the back of your mind, you're sitting there and you're going, oh, I've always wanted the Jeep. And, and, and so now you think that, you're going to buy into that image of, I'm going to have my new iPhone, I'm going to get in this electric Jeep, and just like the commercial, I'm flying through the snow, and I'm up on a mountain ridge, and that version of me that, like, I'm going to hop out of the rig with my Stanley cup of coffee, and I've got my, you know, L.L. Bean boots on that I saw in the game, and I'm, I'm lo looking over the kingdom, um, and so... Even though it's, we chuckle at that now, that's what we do. Yeah. We feel like if I had those things and if I could, and I'm going to do the things, but most people get the boat or they get the jet ski, they get the Jeep and they've never gone four wheel driving. Right. The boat sits on the side of the house and they don't go boating every weekend. Yeah. Uh, and they're not using that because they're working really hard to pay off the boat. <laughs> And so, you know, it's the rare person that you meet that actually does drive it up and through the snow. That's great. And usually you get to the top of that mountain and it's a guy in a 1986 Bronco <laughs> that is out there. And you're like, hey, dude. And, and, and you're like, how come I can't be like that guy? Um, and so in a paid off Bronco that has, you know, big tires. So my, my point being is like, yes, it is hard to divorce yourself from being content with what you have and not coveting yeah. the next thing and to go but to do that you have to have 
enough resources to go have an experience. Yeah. And the thing that I always tell people to do, and here's a simple one. I've met so many people from Seattle that have never done something like the um, little float pain trip around the Puget Sound. It's about, I think it's $140 or $170. It's, it's not cheap, but it's not like break the bank expensive. Yeah. And so there are experiences here in our city that if you did them, that people from around the world renowned That's and like great. one of them is a float plane from Kenmore air. Go do that one weekend. Yeah. Pick a weekend, look for a coupon, go do that. And I guarantee you, you're going to go, wow, this is a cool city yeah. and what amazing trip. And I learned something as I flew this half hour narrated trip around the sound. So if you start to do those and have adventures, people sometimes get stuck going to the same places, doing the same things. Great. And like, I took my mom and dad on the Ferris wheel downtown. There's a Ferris wheel in downtown Seattle. Wow. Uh, it's not that expensive. It's not the greatest thing you've ever done, but it's pretty cool. And a couple of those cars you can have dinner in. Yeah. So like go, yeah. go do the stuff in your own city. Do the thing. Have some experiences. Yeah. And, and I guarantee you that you will look at that picture Talk about that flight more than you would whatever the gadget was yeah. that year. I'll put a bow around this. Uh, Frank Sinatra was singing, and he had found out that one uh, the folks that came to his concert was on hard times. He went over and he took off his cufflinks that he had just paid $3,000 for, and he gave him uh, the cufflinks. He knew and given them the cufflinks that the cufflinks, and this is at the height of his powers, were worth a lot more than $3,000 because they're Frank Sinatra's cufflinks. And someone pulled him, pulled him aside and said, why did you do that? He said, you know what? None of us get out of this alive. He goes, the bottom line is this. Those have all, always been somebody else's cufflinks. He goes, in reality, we're always just taking care of somebody else's stuff. And I'm like, Wow. Mm-hmm. We are. I'm sitting in a house. I'm just taking care of somebody else's house someday, right? Yeah. So go have those experiences. And, and we're excited to go down and uh, see that house next Friday. So thanks for that. That life lesson. So great meeting you guys in those sit-downs. If you want to sit down with us, run it on sitdown.com. If you want to reach out to us for a buyer's playbook or a seller's playbook or see how we present a home or our approach on buying, selling. Also, we always talk about compensation with you. You should be having those talks with your realtor. Uh, we'll do that during the sit down. It's one of the first things we talk about. And also, what is the Ron and Don way of selling a house? How do we get maximum dollars compared to other realtors? And how come our houses, houses always move and other homes sit? We'll talk about that during the sit down, okay? And if you want to go shopping, Ron just did this with a local cop. Uh, there are deals out there to be had right now in certain properties in certain neighborhoods if you're willing to do some of the work too. So we can help with that as well. Run it on sitdown.com. Until next time, you keep your head up and your shoulders back. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. Thanks for hitting subscribe and like and giving us a five-star review only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only, only, only on the Ron and Dawn Radio Network. Only.